You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to help you plan that unbelievable travel experience. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Welcome to First Bite. Our Detroit Lions preview podcast is back. It is week one. We are about 45, 48 hours from kickoff of the NFL season featuring your Detroit Lions and the Kansas City Chiefs. My name is Jeremy Reisman. I'm the producer over at Pride of Detroit. You can find me at Detroit on Lion. With me, as always, my co-host for the entire season of First Bite. He is your senior editor. He is at Ryan underscore POD. He is Ryan Matthews. Ryan, how excited are you to get this series kicked off yet again? So excited that when you said 48 hours, I was like, game's tomorrow, dude. Um, it's not, uh, <laughs> it's, in <nope>. fact. <laughs> but uh, man, if if I've ever been more antsy for a game, I would like to do some deep, deep, deep psychology work to figure out which one it was, because it's it's definitely this one. Yeah, I've realized the pacing has already started. I was just I was in my kitchen today and I just realized I was pacing about the game. I'm like, the anticipation, man, it's it's already here and I'm going to spend almost all of Thursday night pacing throughout my entire house. But to give us kind of a background of what we can expect, maybe on Thursday night, uh, as always in these first bite previews, if this, is, if this is your first year with the POD cast, we do these every week and we want to bring in an outsider perspective from the other team. And this week is no different. We have got this week. Our guest, the lead analyst for for our friends at Arrowhead Pride, part of the SB Nation crew, Ron Cop at Ron Cop on Twitter. Ron, thanks for joining us, man. Thanks for having me. I'm 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 super excited. I wish the game was tomorrow, man. I uh, <laughs> I wish that I wish you were right there because uh, man, it's 48 hours still seems like too long away. We've been we waited all these months and two days. I I, I still don't want to wait that long. Let's let's get this game going. Absolutely. You know what though. Through the magic of editing, though, and the fact that the podcast isn't going to hit until tomorrow, it is going to be tomorrow Boom. for people who are listening. So <laughs> look at true. that. <laughs> you were just Great on point. top of your game. Yeah, you were just on your podcast game. There you go. <laughs> I like Ron. I like Ron. OK, let's go. All right. Well, again, if this is your first time hearing one of these First Bite podcasts, we like to split these into two segments. The first segment, we talk about one side of the ball versus the other side of the ball. And then we flip things around in the second segment. And considering today's news, uh, Tuesday's news, if you're listening to this on Wednesday, uh, the Travis Kelsey news, of course, I'm talking about. Uh, we, let's start with the Chiefs offense versus the Lions defense. And let's start right there, Ron. Uh, how how big? I mean, a very general question here, but like, if Travis Kelsey, and, and at this point, we don't know if he's going to miss the game or not. We all, all we know is a hyperextended knee. Early reports seem to say it's not a torn ACL. There's a lot of inflammation. They're going to check in on Wednesday and, and see what is, you know, see, see how things look then. But if no Travis Kelsey, how devastating of news is this to, to the Chiefs? Yeah, I mean, it's it, it's huge. You know, to put it into context, I mean, you talk about last year, you talk about last season. You know, the Chiefs, the biggest question was not having Tyree Kill all of a sudden with their offense. You know, how how good could they be without without Tyreek? How good could the Chiefs offense be? Uh, you know, how good could Patrick Mahomes be? 
and they were one of the best offenses historically, uh, you know, of all time efficiency numbers, EPA per play wise, uh, and all in all certain situations, certain certain packages, certain formations. And it's because Travis Kelsey was still there. It didn't matter that Tyreek was 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 gone. They they could find those kind of big plays from other from other guys. But the constant in this offense has always been Travis Kelsey. He's never missed a game due to injury since his rookie season when he he missed the entire thing um, with a with some sort of knee injury. But he's he's been completely healthy since in it uh, in his career since then. And that's the thing is is we haven't really seen this offense without Travis Kelsey as the centerpiece. Uh, he missed one game with COVID during the COVID season. It was kind of a, it was a game against the Steelers, not really consequential. So this is going to be a huge deal, especially with kind of the, the change, uh, the overchange at wide receiver too. You know, there's a lot of different new names that have kind of uh, come up into the lineup through the preseason, whether you're talking about rookie Rasheed Rice, you know, everyone's uh, darling Justin Ross, who, you know, We'll see, you know, how much of an impact he, he has, but uh, I do think Kadarius Tony as well, you know, someone that has, was injured all preseason. He showed he can do something with us last year. He's apparently fully healthy. I didn't really expect him to be ready for week one, so that definitely helps. But it is something where, like, we don't feel good about it. Chiefs fans don't feel good. You know, it's not one of those, like, oh, Mahomes, he'll be fine. You know, he's, he's missing this guy. He's missing his left tackle. He's missing whoever. No, this is Travis Kelsey, and, and we haven't seen this offense kind of operate without him. And so it's it's a big deal. I think the Chiefs might lean on the run game a little more because of it. Um, but they also they're just going to have to depend on a lot of different guys. You're not going to see maybe one guy get close to 100 yards. It's going to be very spread out if Kelsey's not involved. Ron, I have a lot of curiosity about Kadarius Tony just from the standpoint that he seems like a guy who obviously really struggles to stay on the field, doesn't play a, a great percentage of of snaps even even when he is suited up and on the field. But I mean, the Chiefs they, they saw an opportunity uh, when when they picked him up from the Giants, if he's a guy who can stay healthy, let's let's play in that little hypothetical world. If they're missing Travis Kelsey, can Kadarius Tony hit the ground running and all of a sudden, oh man, you know Patrick Mahomes and Kadarius Tony is is giving us hot flashes and and you know reminding us of of Tyreek Hill a few years ago. So I I wouldn't say he's gonna hit the ground running per se, especially because he missed the entire preseason. Kadarius Tony's injury happened on the first it was actually wasn't even when the uh during a practice it was before practice started the first training camp practice he was just shagging kicks and punts like it was something that happened so early on in the preseason he never got any sort of snaps any sort of time with the team in training camp what that did though was it gave guys like Rasheed Rice uh you know Richie James the veteran uh from the Giants who they signed this offseason to play more within the offense and I actually think that's that may hurt Tony in terms of being a focal point of the offense, but he'll st- he can still come in and be a very dynamic weapon um, situationally. And so I think you're going to see more of that, uh, especially right away where Tony's just going to be more situational, uh, more, you know, kind of design play rather than just a straight up, you know, your receiver where he's getting, you know, 10 plus targets in a game. Um, so, yeah, that, that's what I would say about Tony. I, I don't think he's going to be a featured receiver at all, uh, especially right away, just because he didn't, he wasn't able to practice with the offense at all this preseason. Kind of almost sounds like I don't want to speak for you, but maybe kind of a net positive in the sense that all these other young guys got a lot more opportunities, maybe. Yeah, I think it's a good point. Like a guy like Rasheed Rice, uh, the rookie, I didn't know if we should expect too much from him, but he was just he got a lot of time with Mahomes this preseason. And man, he he moves very well for his size. Uh, You know, he had some drop problems. He had a lot of drops this preseason. So that might be one reason you don't see him on Thursday necessarily. But a guy like Justin Ross, uh, you know, he. He has shown something, uh, being able to have a chemistry with Mahomes on back shoulder throws, throws down the field. 
you know, Kelsey runs a lot of the Chiefs uh, isolated receiver things, uh, you know, when the, whereas there's an X receiver on one side of the formation. Um, Kelsey kind of substitutes in for that receiver a lot of the time because they don't they've never really had that traditional X receiver to really overwhelm a cornerback one on one individually on the backside of a formation. That's what Justin Ross can do, potentially. And it's actually why there's a chance Kelsey's absence could help Ross in this game right away, because they may need that bigger body on the outside in situations. And Mahomes trusts him. He he definitely does. And uh, Justin Ross, that is. So if he wants a guy like that to be relied upon, he doesn't have Kelsey this time. So he's going to have to look at someone else. Another big bodied guy it could be Justin Ross. Uh, I'm looking at the the rest of the Kansas City depth chart here at tight end, and they only got two other healthy guys in Noah Gray and Blake Bell. So what can you tell us about those two? Yeah, Noah Gray is definitely someone we're excited about in Kansas City. Uh, you know, his third year, he's he's definitely progressed. He's 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 a guy that came in right away as more just a receiver type, you know, not someone you're going to ask to block much, but he has developed in that sense. You can definitely ask him to me just like a traditional Y tight end now. Um, he's still not the best blocker uh, in terms of the strongest, but he can hold his own. As a receiver, though, he's always been pretty – he always moves pretty well for his size, man. He can release off the line of scrimmage well on the outside. You know, he has good hands. So we've we've liked him in, in Kansas City. So I do think he has a solid chance to to surprise some some national media or just people that aren't aware of him as much on Thursday if Kelsey doesn't play. Because I think he could he could fill in and catch your seven or eight targets and rack up, you know, 70, 80 yards and, you know, get open in the end zone. You know, he's he's going to be a reliable option, but definitely nowhere near the the uh, the, you know, the elite weapon or the yard, yards after catch or the route route maestro that Kelsey is. He's not going to be you know, putting any linebackers or safeties in blenders like Kelsey would potentially. Maybe just one more question about the skill position players outside of the alien at quarterback, the running backs in Kansas city, Pacheco <clears throat> McKinnon. Uh, are we expecting anything from Clyde Edwards Hilaire this year? Um, how, how does that group kind of shake out? And, and when do you kind of expect those guys to be on the field? Is Pacheco more of that first down, second down guy and, and McKinnon more on passing downs? What, what's that look like in the chiefs offense? you think this year? Yeah, you had it. I mean, it's Pacheco on early downs. It's it's McKinnon on pass downs. Clyde is interesting. I've I've been kind of saying, you know, Clyde doesn't have a very good very good favor around here. Uh, you know, he's first round pick that hasn't lived up to that. And a lot of people, you know, think he he should just be cut. He's not a very talented back. I've always said I think they have a plan for Clyde, and that's to you know keep the legs of Jarek McKinnon, Isaiah Pacheco fresh throughout the season. Right? I think you're going to see Clyde get tons of touches at least in the first half of the season because he knows the offense because he is a, a decent receiver, a decent, decent receiving option. He had six red zone touchdowns last year, three of them receiving. I mean, uh, in the first six games of the season, I should say, uh, you know, a touchdown a game. Now, this is a guy that that can definitely contribute in the offense, but I, he's not, he, he's a guy that is just getting the ball to save the other guys legs because Pacheco and McKinnon are the more, the, the two better playmakers in my opinion. You know, we actually saw LaMichael Pirine, uh, a fourth-round pick of the Jets a few years ago. He came into camp and, and actually looked good to me. I thought they were going to keep him as the fourth round, uh, the fourth running back and maybe be uh, another option uh, in there as well as a, as, a, as a pass protector type. But, no, Pacheco is really the the highlight here. I, he could he could give you uh, some big runs, and especially with Travis Kelsey being out, you know, I could see them leaning on the ground game quite a bit. Um, and and Pacheco's definitely that guy that that just needs one or two, and and he has the the four three nine speed to to break one and 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 kind of make a big run out of it. Well, obviously, key to that running game is is the offensive line, and the Chiefs come into twenty twenty three with I think very high expectations of their offensive line last year. Uh, per ESPN's pass block win rate, they were first. 
third third in run block win rate, but they come in and they switch both offensive tackles. You got a new left tackle in Donovan Smith, a new right tackle in Jawan Taylor. Tell me how they fit into kind of the overall plan thus far. I know it's only the preseason and, and training camp, but right. are, are, is this still expected to be like a top three, top two unit in the league? Yes, absolutely. And and it's mainly because of the three guys on the interior. Um, you know, those guys are just so good together. I mean, they they just set the pocket so well. It really helps the offensive tackles, too, a lot of time. That's why Orlando Brown Jr., I think, really looked even better than maybe his production would tell you. And sometimes his production didn't even t- didn't even look that good. Um, it, it, he had such an easy job uh, next to Joe Tooney, uh, Patrick Mahomes, having that front of the pocket he could always step up into to avoid the speed rush. That's going to make it. But I really do think they upgraded at the offensive tackle position overall. I don't know for sure if that means Donovan Smith is better than Orlando Brown Jr. I think that is uh, I think there's some things that Brown's much better at and something Smith is much better at. Um, So we'll see. But Juwan Taylor been very impressed with with how he moves as a as a pass protector just has the length too. I mean, I that's a big upgrade over Andrew Wiley uh, on the other side last year. And I think they both fit Andy Reid's system a lot more in terms of Andy Reid loves, you know, you guys up there, you guys love your varied run run scheme, right? You guys are running poles. You guys are running zone. You guys are running so many different things. Andy Reid is just all outside zone, outside zone, outside zone. The Chiefs love uh, that stuff. And Donovan Taylor or Donovan Smith and Jawan Taylor are much better fits for that kind of thing, just because they're they're faster off the ball than Orlando Brown Jr. They have length so they can get on linebackers. They can cut off backside uh, defenders. So definitely a better fit, in my opinion, what they got now at the offensive tackle positions. Jeremy, for as high as you are on the Lions defense this year, as we talked about yesterday on the yep. podcast, any any type of uh, shivers going down down your spine as Ron talks about, uh, you know what? Chiefs are just going to call an audible if Travis Kelsey can't go and maybe they run on that run game a little bit more heavily against a team that was giving up so many yards per game on the ground last year. I mean, of course. Yeah. Like as much as I, I believe that this team improved the middle of their defense, certainly at the second level, there's still a lot of questions on the interior, right? Like they just benched <laughs> bugs, a guy who two weeks ago we thought was like their premier starter, not maybe not premier, but like a good run defender starter. And they've decided to, to bench him in, in term in favor of Benito Jones. And um, you know, Levi owns is back and we just talked to him today in, in the locker room. And it seems like he's excited to be out there. It seems like he's fully healthy, but maybe he provides a little bit more in the pass rush than he does in the run defense. So yeah, of course that that's a, a pretty big concern at this point. And to know that really the chiefs offense, especially on the ground runs through those three interior guys is, is maybe the biggest challenge I think for the defense going into this game, which is kind of crazy to say, considering we we've barely talked about Patrick Mahomes and he's, He's, you know, the 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 ace up the sleeve of of, of all ace up the sleeves. Um, but I mean, but I, yeah, go ahead. Well, yeah, I mean, if if you if you want me to talk about Patrick Mahomes, I sure can. I don't know if I can say something bad about him. So I'm, <laughs> yeah, I'm going to be honest. Uh, I, that yeah. was in the outline. I was please say something bad about Patrick Mahomes. <laughs> I won't. Yeah, you no, I, yeah, no. Hey, I can I can sure think of something. Uh, I don't know if it'll be accurate or honest, <laughs> but uh, no, I. It, it 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 is fun, you know, as a Chiefs fan. I mean, you know, we get to talk about every other part of it, especially as an analyst. You know, we get so excited about, you know, everything about the football game. But, uh, you know, we, we kind of do ignore the Patrick Mahomes part of it because it's such a it's given, such a right. given that he is going to be, you know, uh, you know, on the money, uh, you know, dialed in. He's going to be locked in. You know, he's going to be executing the game plan. 
um, completely. But again, without Travis Kelsey, you know, I do think we're going to see how much he trusts his other guys and, and, yeah. and how much he trusts guys to a default or whether he's willing to go back to guys after, you know, a drop early in the game, right? You know, a, a guy like Sky Moore, a lot of expectations for, for him around here to kind of fill in for that Juju Smith-Schuster spot, maybe lead the receiver room in targets, um, maybe not yards or anything, but just as a guy that's going to be, you know, getting the ball quite a bit in his hands, you know, is, is, is Mahomes going to trust him enough to target him 10 to 12 times without Kelsey, right? Uh, you know, is Mahomes going to trust MVS uh, to to target him over and over and over, even though, you know, he's a pretty up and down player. So I do think that's one thing with Mahomes is is without Kelsey, you're going to see, you know, just how willing he is to to kind of trust his guys. And and it'll be curious to see if he's, you know, if he has the uh, the willingness or I guess the patience maybe to to, t- to stay with some of them. I got one last question for you, Ron, before we, before we head to break here. Um, what do we make of the fact that the Chiefs swapped out for or uh, swapped out Eric Bieniemy for Matt Nagy? You know, they 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 stay with somebody in house. Um, there's kind of all these you know question marks around Bieniemy, and of course, you know the Lions when they were in their coaching uh, hire cycle. You know, they chose Campbell and passed over Bieniemy, who's another hot name, and caught a lot of flack for that. I think um, in the national media. But, you know, he moves on to Washington. They stick with Matt Nagy. Do you, is there any really kind of like discernible difference you feel like there or is it's it's really just Andy Reid? I, you know, I again, the success on the field, I don't think you're going to know much of a difference. Right. But I do think there's probably some some philosophy stuff or just some mentality stuff behind the scenes stuff. That is is kind of underrated about the difference uh, between Biennemi and Nagy. If you kind of if you watch the Chiefs have this and almost every team does nowadays, uh, this like hard knocks version of uh, but they make it themselves. Right. It's their little YouTube clip. They kind of go behind the scenes and you can just see that Nagy really is like a cheerleader for Mahomes. He really is like a fan of Mahomes. He's he like talks. He's he's glowing about him. He's 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 really he talks about him like a fangirl almost Uh, while Biennemi obviously did not. Uh, the enemy was much more of a coach was much more of a, you know, a, Hey, you know, this, you know, I'm his, I'm his superior, you know, I'm, I'm talking like, you know, about him, like he's one of my soldiers, you know, it's, there is something to that, you know, that maybe Mahomes is going to lose some of that, you know, on the sidelines, someone getting in his butt about, you know, maybe missing a play or maybe not looking, you know, running a play correctly because he's feeling himself and he wants to, you know, use his own talents or whatever. You know, maybe the enemy was good to rein that in a little. I don't know this for sure. I'm, you know, this is all speculation. Um, but you, we have seen the enemy and Mahomes go at each other, you know, pretty, uh, you know, uh, vocally on the sidelines. Um, and they all said it's all good afterwards, but that's competitors being competitors. That's not something that Nagy is going to do, in my opinion. So you might lose some of that. And maybe that, that loses, you know, maybe Mahomes loses a little bit of fire because of that. I don't know. It's this is all speculation, but I'm just trying to make you guys smile over there. So, <laughs> Ryan, I got a question for you. What's that? Is Matt Nagy rizzing up Patrick Mahomes too hard? <laughs> <laughs> Are you surprised that a former Bears coach would do that? <laughs> um, no, I do. I do have one more question to go to before we go out here on a break, um, because I think a lot of times when we bring in a guest here, we. I mean, we grill you about the team that we're playing, obviously, because you have the information there. But I'm kind of curious as you're, you know, as we head into the season and no one knows anything about anything, but your perception of the Detroit Lions, specifically their defense, obviously didn't finish the season very well, made a lot of changes this offseason. In terms of this matchup specifically, is there anything that either you're intrigued by, worried about, or or maybe the opposite? Maybe you're like, oh, the Lions suck here. The Chiefs are going to have a huge advantage there. 
Well, not having Travis Kelsey, I am very uh, curious and and maybe be maybe a little bit uh, you know um, concerned a little bit about the the Detroit secondary that that revamped secondary. You know, you guys brought in Chauncey Gardner Johnson, which we have a history with a little bit. Uh, you know, we we you guys brought in you know Brian Branch, the rookie, which I don't know how he's you know how much he's going to play right away, but Jack Campbell, the rookie linebacker. You know, it, there's there's upgraded at talent um, in that back seven, and not having Travis Kelsey, there are a lot of you know, a lot of uh, pieces to this Chiefs receiving core that we don't exactly know how they're going to fit in. And obviously you guys are dealing with a similar thing in, in terms of how they're going to fit in too, but it, you're more at full strength than we would be without Travis Kelsey. And so maybe maybe there is a disadvantage there for the Chiefs where these receivers, as they are trying to maybe think through what they're doing and, and kind of early in the season, these lines, uh, defensive backs may ha- may give them a little trouble. You know, I, I, I'd i be curious to see how they're deployed. If Chauncey's still going to be more in the slot or, 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 if, or if maybe he's going to be more of just a true safety, you guys may know more on that. But that's my main thing because, you know, I, I look at your guys' front and no offense, but like I I, I do wonder why you didn't, didn't upgrade a little more on the interior, um, you know, because I do think the Chiefs can take advantage of, of that uh, pretty good uh, in the run game and in the pass game, you know, creating a, a good pocket in the front. But I'm curious to see, you know, about the back end and Aiden Hutchinson as well. Obviously, I think he's a great matchup on the edges, but specifically on the insides. I feel yeah. like uh, I feel like you guys could have improved, but we should have. You know, I I can say the same thing about us, to be honest. <laughs> with you. So, yeah. All right. We're going to take a break here. When we come back here with our guest, Ron Kopp from Arrowhead Pride, we are going to talk about the Lions offense against the Chiefs defense. And the Chiefs also might be missing a well. I don't even think it's a question anymore. The Chiefs are going to be missing a pretty huge part of that defense as well. So we'll talk about that and a whole lot more when we come back here on First Bite. Vacations can be tricky. You already know how to book flights and hotels, but now the only thing you're missing is, you know, the actual travel experience. Because is it really a vacation if you're just sitting around like you would at home? You need a tool to get the most out of your time away. That's where Viator steps in. You can book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. And we are back here on First Bite, previewing Lions Chiefs week one opening game Thursday night. 48-ish hours away. We're here with Ron Kopp, the lead analyst for Arrowhead Pride. Let's start talking Lions offense versus Chiefs defense. This segment might be a little bit more fun. Uh, but of course, we have to start with the the, the not-so-fun part for Chiefs fans, at least. And Chris Jones, uh, still mid-holdout. And at this point, I think it's almost impossible for him to come out and, and play on Thursday night. So 
Ron, I'm going to ask you the same similar question that I asked you about Travis Kelsey. Just like how big of a disaster is it that he's not going to be in this game? I made the analogy to the Tyreek Hill thing when you asked me about the the Travis Kelsey thing. Uh, This is you can make the analogy here, too, but it's a little different because Chris Jones is a Patrick Mahomes of the Chiefs defense. There is, you know, there's no uh, secondary, you know, Tyreek Hill to, to, uh, you know, get taken away. And then all of a sudden, you know, you can just rely on this guy, Chris Jones. No, it's it's all Chris Jones. And if you don't have Chris Jones, especially not having Charles who either, who we signed from the 49ers this offseason, he was suspended the first six games of the season. Not having either of those two, it is going to be very interesting to see how they get pass rush on Jared Goff on, on Thursday, man. I mean, this that it, it's not just because, obviously, the Lions offensive line is very good. You're just talking about a lot of inexperience of the Chiefs defensive line. You're talking about, uh, you know, first round pick Felix Indudike Ozama being probably their top edge rusher right now. Uh, you know, George Karloftis is there as well, but you know, uh, Felix is moving. It, it moves well. He has moves. He does a little more to me. He's a little more uh, dynamic than George Karloftis is as an edge rusher, but he's still a rookie. And there were still plenty of times he was getting handled, um, you know, out. And he because because it's going to take him a few years. I've said that from the beginning, Felix. Um, Karloftis is 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 solid, but man, he's that's that's really what he is. He's solid. He's going to get what's there, but maybe not more than that. And when you're going against already a very talented offensive line, that just really does worry me in terms of getting any sort of penetrate penetration in the run game, any pressure on Goff, like I mentioned. And we all know, I mean, you guys obviously know how efficient the Lions' offense can be if no one is pressuring Jared Goff. I mean, you're talking about you know, one of the league's best. So that it, it really is a huge concern. We're all concerned about it here in Kansas city. The defensive tackle room outside of Jones is one of the worst in the entire NFL. Um, they did not do, they, they really just had no fears, I guess, about not having Jones this off season because they didn't have any sort of backup plan. They actually traded for Neil Farrell junior fourth round pick for the Raiders last year. They just traded for him uh, like last week, randomly. Um, you know, I, it, it's a mess on the defensive line. So that's what I'd tell you about not having Chris Jones. If you could tell, we're a little worried here. Jeremy, is this a Spider-Man meme of the Lions interior defensive line and the Chiefs interior defensive line <laughs> pointing at each other? Or is it is it Schwarzenegger and Carl Weathers slapping arms and Predator? I don't know. Either either or works, I think. Yeah. Um, but uh, you know, sticking with the defense, Ron, um, both, you know, there were Lions coaches that were talking up uh, this the second level of the Chiefs defense in terms of their linebackers and just how athletic they are. And that's something that really stood out to them. You know, doing a little bit of digging and seeing kind of like the investment they made in some of these guys. A lot of them seem like day two picks, homegrown guys that they've they drafted and they've developed and they seem to all be primed to have big roles in 2023. So can you tell us a little bit about like what is it when it comes to their athleticism that makes them, you know, pop off the tape? Yeah, first of all, I'll start with Nick Bolton. Um, he's the leader of the group. He's the Mike linebacker. He was someone that played all three downs for them last season, which was pretty surprising. He is a pretty traditional Mike linebacker, probably someone that shouldn't be playing too much on third downs and passing situations. Um, it should be more of a situational player, but the Chiefs trusted him to do that, and he wasn't too bad at it last year. He he can fly around the field. He he doesn't miss tackles. That's one thing. Um, but he's definitely more he's definitely more effective moving forward, moving laterally than he is or I should say moving forward, uh, then moving laterally or moving backwards um, in coverage. That's where like guys like Willie Gay and Drew Tranquil really pop off is, is moving backwards, uh, playing into coverage, you know, making plays and passing lanes. And that's, and I do want to mention Drew Tranquil because 
he was kind of this underrated signing this offseason. No one in Kansas City really thought that anyone would get out of the linebacker group. We felt really good about Nick Bolton, Willie Gay, and Leo Chanel as the three heading forward. And what NFL team needs a fourth linebacker that you feel good about in today's world? I mean, the linebacker position, just you only have two on the field most of the time anyway. And they went ahead and, and got Drew Tranquil anyway. And, and I do think what you're going to see is them you know, keep Bolton now on the sideline on those third downs and have Tranquil come in as a situational uh, sub linebacker for those situations. I don't know that for sure. This is more speculation. Bolton actually has still been playing the dime linebacker uh, for, for the preseason under Spags. So it's not a for sure thing. It's 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 but it is a way for them to improve their pass defense because Bolton can get exploited. Tranquil much better just covering a running back, covering a tight end out of the backfield. We'll see this week, especially uh, with Jameer Gibbs as, as one of those guys are going to have to cover out of the backfield. But but yeah, I, I think the athleticism is a big is a big thing, especially with Willie Gay and Drew Tranquil. And it's something that that they've gotten better at this offseason with the addition of Tranquil, a guy that has has been a three uh, three down starter for the Chargers for a few years, uh, was one of the league leaders and tacklers last season. Uh, tackles last season. I'm surprised the Chiefs got him uh, for just a one year deal like they did. No other team was wanting his services. But at by the end of the season, he may end up being the Chiefs' most effective linebacker, even though you know all these other guys really do have kind of more of a, a reputation so far with Kansas City. It's a it's a really fascinating matchup to me because, like Ryan said, Lions coaches have mentioned it several times. The, this linebacking court, and, and to me, that shows that like it's a it's a major concern for them, and that would make sense too because this Lions offense is predicated on on doing a lot of its work over the middle in the short to intermediate routes, and obviously, like you right. said, Jameer Gibbs is going to play probably a big part in this passing game, whether he's in the backfield or lined up in the slot. And then obviously you got Sam Laporta too, a guy who who I think is going to be a, a heavy involvement in what they do. And, and Amon Rob does his work in that same kind of middle of the area. So I think maybe this is one of the kind of underrated key matchups of this in, entire game. <clears throat> but uh, but I do want to talk about the secondary a little bit because it you know from an outside standpoint, you know there are there aren't a lot of like big name guys in, in the the Chiefs secondary yet. They've been pretty productive or at least pretty efficient at, at slowing down passing attacks. The Lions obviously don't have a ton of, you know, perimeter guys right now that they're, they're hoping Jamison can be that guy when he comes back. But how do you think that matchup um, looks, you know, when, when comparing the Chiefs secondary to the Lions outside receivers? Yeah, it's it's a big pressure point for the Chiefs defensive backs right now. This is a huge, this is a lot of pressure on them this week to execute in their coverages and aid their pass rush, right? Give their pass rush time to get home or just obviously break up passes, you know, be tight in coverage and, and and not allow completions when they're thrown to you. This is a huge, huge week for that, obviously, just because not only the Chiefs defensive line is so outmatched, but like you just kind of mentioned, I mean, the Lions offensive uh, skill position group in the first week of the season, you know, isn't isn't one of the most challenging ones they're going to face this year. I mean, just it, it straight up, you know, if you guys had Jameson Williams, if, if this if this if this group, if this game was a little later in the season, I, first of all, I think it would be more fun. But second of all, it would give your guys' chance, you know, Gibbs to develop a little more in what he's doing. Sam Laporta to develop a little more into what he's doing. But it is week one. And so I do think this Chief secondary, with the experience they have, the advantage and ex- the experience they have, they should be able to, uh, you know, overtake that matchup, right, or win that matchup uh, to an extent. Um, it's going to be really hard because you can't win every – even if you win a matchup, if the pass rush doesn't get home, you're probably going to give up a big play a lot of the time, right? But that's where it is going to be, you know, a big challenge for them. Is is Can Trent McDuffie, you know, be that that premier cornerback that that 
potentially even follows a guy like Amon Ross St. Brown just to to shut down Goff's number one option. You know, I don't think that probably is what they're going to do. The Chiefs don't really usually tend to follow guys. They tend to just trust their guys in their spots. Uh, Legereus Sneed, obviously, uh, you know, another cornerback that can kind of match Amon Ross St. Brown's size and athleticism. He kind of has the best of both worlds in that sense. McDuffie is a little smaller, might get overwhelmed by Amon Ross in, in, some, in some instances. But the, the Gibbs part is really important. And I know we talked about the with the linebackers, but man, if, if the Lions are going to treat him like a receiver and the Chiefs don't treat him like a receiver, they just treat him like a running back, you're going to get a lot of mismatches with with Gibbs just just being, you know, lined up against a linebacker or a safety, you know, and and he's just a re- receiver to you guys. You guys are just treating him as a receiver. David Montgomery is maybe in the backfield or something. It's technically a two-back set, but, you know, it's not in your eyes, right? And so if the Chiefs don't make that adjustment, you know, I'm really curious, you know, to see if that's just going to be something that that really pains them um, and, and really gives them a hard time. Um, but that is more of the linebackers, I guess, in, in terms of the secondary, in terms of covering the tight ends and receivers. You know, they have a lot of pressure on them because they need to execute not only because they are the more talented uh, or maybe not more talented, just they have kind of the advantage of in this situation, I would say, uh, personnel wise. But it's going to be super challenging because on the other side of the you know, in, in front of them, they have no sort of advantage. And and so even if you do have great coverage, a lot of times you, you may, you may still give up a big play. So you're going to have to go with, take a good with the bad, maybe on Thursday, there, there might be some big plays uh, given up, even if they're the secondary is playing well. Uh, one, one other coordinator question, I guess, because I had one in the, in the first segment, I'll, I'll follow it up here in the second segment with, with Spags. Um, and I'm just kind of connecting the dots, uh, man, he, Definitely was a coach when Andy Reid was in Philadelphia and he learned under Jim Johnson, a defensive coordinator who very blitz heavy. What do the Chiefs do when it comes to their defense now without like, is it going to be a little bit more blitz happy than you've seen in the past? Or do you, do you think they dial up some blitzes from you know secondary interesting things like that just to kind of generate some artificial pressure? Yeah, you're hundred percent right. Spags. Spags, it's funny, the the more he's gone on, the more Spags has gotten more creative with his blitzes, has gotten less traditional with kind of how he roll, uh, plays his defense. And yeah, I, I, I've, I've started to just call him the Mad Hatter because he does cr- come up with some crazy stuff. Um, and, and the blitz packages are really where you see it the most. And and last year, honestly, was one of his lower blitz rated seasons uh, since he's been in Kansas City, I think. You know, that tells you how how dominant Chris Jones was. They didn't feel like they needed to do that a lot of the time. Right. Um, and, you know, and and obviously had a few other pieces to kind of help with that, too. But but, you know, this year we've already talked about it plenty. They are going to have to blitz much more. And we're already actually seeing uh, a lot of creativity with how they're doing it. Um, they're actually having Leo Chanel, Willie Gay, maybe as 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 stand up kind of rushers in certain packages uh, instead of just being like blitz off ball blitzers are actually that fourth man on the line of scrimmage rushing off the edge, something we haven't seen them do in the past. Leo Chanel was really good at that in college, in my opinion. Um, definitely something that he could he could do while he's on the field. But no, I he just he just throws out he throws out whatever, man. He he's he's very good at simulated pressures, whether it's you know, sending two blitzers and dropping two defensive linemen into coverage. Um, he 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 will do that plenty. You'll see, you'll see that plenty on Thursday. Um, but he'll send everybody. You'll see every member of the secondary get their chance of getting after the quarterback. Um, and, and you're right. I do think we'll see that Thursday just because of the Chris Jones uh, situation. You probably would have seen it anyway. Again, he's a mad hatter. And I think that's that's part of playing with the Chiefs offense is you can be more volatile, right? You can go for those big plays. 
knowing that, hey, if we do give up a big play, we got an offense that's going to go back and score and, and make it, uh, you know, make it uh, not all matter. So I think they operate in that realm anyway, but it's going to have to get turned up quite a bit uh, without Chris Jones for sure. All right. We are going to close out the podcast, the first bite, first, first bite of the season, the same way we did last year. And that is with a segment we call the one thing we think we know. It is a prediction segment where it doesn't have to be necessarily a prediction of who wins or the score or anything like that. It is just one aspect of the game that you're pretty sure about that you're pretty confident about. Now, Ryan and I like to go a little bit spicy sometimes just to make it fun. Ryan, you can take it in whatever direction you want, but we're going to start with Ryan as we always do because we like to put the pressure on our own first. Ryan, week one, Lions-Chiefs. What's the one thing you think you know? I think the one thing I think I know, and it isn't some... It isn't too bold. Uh, if we were if we were on hot ones right now, we're not all the way up on the spicy meter, but we got to work our way into that in, sure. in the in the season, right, Jeremy? So, um, just based off what Ron has told us, you know, seeing some of the numbers in terms of when Chris Jones is on the field, when Chris Jones isn't on the field, I'm going to say that Jared Goff is clean. I'm going to say that he does not get sacked once on Thursday. I like it. I like it. Uh, Ron, I'm going to make you go second because I'm the host and I want to go last. Ron, <laughs> fair enough. What, what is the one thing you think you know about Lions Chiefs? Uh, wow, well, I, I like that one, by the way. First of all, uh, yours, uh, uh, Ryan, just because, yeah, I mean, I just mentioned it, so we don't have to get into it again. But <laughs> the one thing I think I know about this game is that Isaiah Pacheco will score a rushing touchdown and probably I'm going to say rushers for 100 yards. Uh, you know, I, I think they've been they've been playing him very careful this preseason, uh, you know, uh, not having him do full contact for a lot of the time. He finally played in the third preseason game and them only keeping three running backs was surprising. But I think it tells you they're they're ready to, to give him a little bit more of a workload than maybe we anticipated. And without Travis Kelsey, I think they're going to have to lean on a little bit. So I'm going to go rushing touchdown 100 yards for Isaiah Pacheco. All right. I can see it. It'd be a little disheartening because I'm I'm hoping that the run defense is a little improved this year, but this is a tough challenge. This is you, you mentioned in the at the top of the show, like this is a really good interior uh Chiefs offensive line, and we still have a lot of questions about the Lions interior defensive line. I'm gonna flip that one on on its head and say the one thing I think I know is that the Lions will walk out of Arrowhead with 160 rushing yards at least. Ooh. And again, I mean it's I mean, you you have seem to have as much insecurities about your interior defensive line as we do. And yeah. listen, the Lions put a lot of investment into their running game this year. They they upgraded, I would say, both spots with David Montgomery and Jameer Gibbs. Now they have the Thunder and the Lightning. They and and we saw it really at the beginning of the year last year, Ryan, when everything seemed to be humming with the run game. When you had a healthy DeAndre Swift, they were lighting up the ground game. And I think we could see a similar start to the season on the ground game here in Detroit. And I'm going to, I'm, you know what, I'm going to parlay my one thing. I think I know into two things. I think I know because Ron thinks there's going to be a, because I think, because Ron thinks they're going to run the ball a bunch and be successful because I think the lines are going to run the ball and be successful. Take the under. Cool. Felt it that was a smart play, but I'm just sad. Okay, I was I was looking yeah. forward to the shootout. Okay, that's but you're yeah. right. I think you're right. It, it's it, it's never a pleasure taking the under, but it feels like maybe the smart play this week. And I'm not it, one it, to give it, betting advice, so don't <laughs> listen to me. <laughs> that's true. One quick follow up question: Of those 160 rushing yards, how many does Jared Goff get? <laughs> Two. 
for a touchdown, I hope. Just one sneak. Yep. Oh, wait, no. <laughs> Negative four. Kneel downs. Ah. Uh, Kneel downs to win, you know, victory formation and all. We miss you, Nate Sudfeld. <laughs> <laughs> all right, Ron, before we get out of here, I want to obviously give you an opportunity to promote anything that you guys are up to over at Arrowhead Pride, maybe some articles or things that Lions fans would be interested in or just anything that you guys are proud of over there. Yeah, just just follow me on Twitter or at on X, I guess I have to call it um, no, at Ron underscore cop. Uh, you know, I I am constantly tweeting out film clips, constantly tweeting out uh, uh, fun stats. And I'm, I just I like to talk about the NFL in general, not just the Chiefs. So follow me there. But yeah, at the site, uh, we're unveiling a new newsletter, uh, AP Premiere, um, you know, coming in your e- mailbox every day just with uh, some exclusive content, some bonus content you don't get on the site. But no, besides that, man, we'll just be grinding all off. All, I almost said all off season. My guy, all <laughs> season. More. There you go. We're, We're here. We're here, man. Yes, we are. So yeah, <laughs> just just we'll be working all season. I'm I'm excited, man. I can't wait for Thursday. Oh man, it's gonna be a great great time. Uh, to all of us, to all of you listening, uh, we'll be live. You know, we'll be live Thursday night if the lines win. I'll say that over on Twitch.tv slash Pride Detroit. If you if you guys want to celebrate a win, head over there. After the game, if not, we'll probably do a, a podcast on Friday that'll be released on Saturday and all the that sort of fun stuff. We'll do have all sorts of fun stuff after the game. Pride Detroit.com. Also, the, the Pride of Detroit newsletter, Pride of Detroit Direct. Get it into your inbox as well. Go to Pride Detroit.com slash subscribe if you want some of that exclusive content. But for Ryan, for Ron, I'm Jeremy. Guys, we're, we made it. Lions, Chiefs, Thursday night. It's going to be a blast. But until then, it's chaos. Be kind. First thing in the morning, as soon as you wake up, the to-do list starts. Does the car need gas? Hopefully those leftovers are still good. Why did I get CC'd on Home mom? <laughs> no. You can't escape the to-do list, but you can make the most of your me time with a relaxing shower using Method Hair Care products. Try Pure Peace Volumizing, Simply Nourish Moisturizing, or Daily Zen Shampoo and Conditioner for daily use. All formulated with long-lasting fragrances and are safe for color-treated hair. Reconnect with the best version of yourself. Visit methodproducts.com to unleash your inner shower. more to-dos, less time, and an infinite number of tools to keep track of. Sometimes doing business has never felt harder, but you don't need a miracle to hit your goals. You can just use HubSpot because their all-in-one customer platform can make growing your business infinitely easier. Imagine this, high quality leads, fast closing deals, wildly happy customers, and more benchmark breaking quarters. It's not a miracle, it's HubSpot. Visit HubSpot.com to get started today.